Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us. And as always, we have a wonderful guest for you. Um, we have Dr. Sh- uh, Shanaz Rustamova, and she's actually in New York right now, doctor? Yes, I am in New York right now. Yeah, sometimes she's here in uh, Florida, which is always a pleasure. But um, this show we're doing from New York, where she is a holistic gynecologist and has many years of experience helping uh, her patients, not only conventionally, but holistically. So I wanted to talk to her about women's health and men's health and all sorts of reproductive issues and, and things that are maybe on the rise. And I thought this is really, really wonderful. Thank you for joining us today to share some of your information and experience. And we're excited to hear from you. Thank you for having me. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your history, why you chose the, the profession of gynecology and, um, you know, and how you actually transitioned into holistic health. Well, uh, I come from the family of, this is, I'm seventh generation of doctors, mm-hmm. uh, healers, uh, and my grand-grand-grandparents, they were healers in the villages, and then my parents, both of them are doctors. I kind of grew up in L&D, the school and hospital where across the street. My dad uh, was uh, OBGYN and my mom was neonatologist in the hospital. So after school, I would just cross the street and go to labor and delivery, sit there with nurses and do my homework and then go and change diapers with babies. So hospital was like my second home. So to me, I did not even have second thoughts. I didn't even know that other profession existed, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it was for me. So, and I was very comfortable from day one in this field. I I love it. I absolutely love what I do. And this has been almost 30 years since I immersed myself in medical field. And uh, I I was trained. I had two trainings. First was in Soviet Union. And then I immigrated here into the United States and here in New York. I got my training again in OBGYN residency um, in New York and uh, graduated and became a doctor, went straight to private practice again here in New York and Manhattan. And ever since then, the past 15 years, been practicing um, GYN, OBGYN. And uh, the way I came to holistic approach, of course, through my own personal crisis that everybody, I'm sure everybody goes through. And I had uh, my physical crisis, I had my physical problems that mm, nobody could figure out what it is. Uh, it was, uh, there's a condition called urticaria, which is basically going into hives all of a sudden for no reason. All allergy tests were negative except for cockroaches. And the doctor was like, well, you're allergic to cockroaches. I guess don't eat cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Yeah. So that was the answer. And all these stellar physicians here in New York, they were just scratching their heads and go, I guess you just have to stay on this antihistamine drug for, for the rest of your life. 
And I accepted this initially and and took that medication for five years, but then eventually this medication caused arrhythmia, irregular heartbeats, and now it started turning into heart problem. And then cardiologist said, well, now we're going to have to put you on medication that will regulate your heartbeat. So next thing I find myself, I'm on two medications now. So and, and I was only 36 at the time. So I said, this is not right. Let me just start looking into other alternatives. And this is how I started searching myself, looking. And uh, in the process of looking, I came across with Asian um, traditions like Tibetan medicine, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda. And then I started traveling. I went to Tibet. I went to India, spent some time in China, learning, talking to healers, studying it, and applying it to myself. And that's how I was was able to heal myself. And this is where I realized that uh, modern medicine is great, but we don't know everything. And we still have to go back to our roots and connect. And my mission since then became to merge what we know today with modern medicine, merge with ancient wisdom that we all always had. Humanity had it. We still have it. We just have to merge it together and bring it on the table. And since then, I've been practicing and uh, getting very good feedback from my patients. So that's what I do. The the area of women's health is, is your prime priority and, and primary focus, I'm guessing, you know, because I'm sure correct. reproductive issues um, happen in men, and you probably take care of that as well, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah. yes. So let's talk about the women's health first. Um, you know, I'm sure there's been a shift, and there's trends and different, um, you know, I know in my practice even, you know, for what I do, women's uh, health and their focus, it shifts in terms of reproductivity. So you'll see trends in an uptick of um, endometriosis, for instance, and um, all, all sorts of uh, other other things like that, or, or missing of periods or painful periods and, and all of this. So how does that look, and how have you seen that change over the last, say, decade? Yes, it changed a lot, and it's getting worse. And I am talking about New York, which I mostly see. And girls live here, very stressful life. Um, you know, pollution, environment, the food, lifestyle. So that is all affects our body, men and women. And statistically, well, when I was in training many years ago, um, definition of menopause and beginning onset, normal onset of menopause was around 51, 52. That was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Today, if someone comes to me with the symptoms of menopause and I put diagnosis of menopause at 43, it's considered normal. I do not call it premature menopause. So it's 10 years earlier. That's how we, yes, shifted within 25 Mm. years. That's what is happening. Which also obviously changes the the time frame of which they can have a child and so professional considerations come into focus absolutely and what is happening now our hormonal body is getting to menopause earlier but our social position as a woman majority of girls here they they successful women they go to college they have to get education and then they have to build their career so by the time they start thinking of getting pregnant they 32, 35. Right. 
and hopefully in good health, which is rare. You know. Yeah, but even if you're in good health, there's a shelf life for our reproductive organs, especially, uh, you know, oocytes, our eggs. And the best reproductive um, shape and the best quality of eggs, mm-hmm. the age for that is between 20, 21 to 30. That mm-hmm. is the best reproductive um, time to, to have a baby. Right. So yeah. afterwards, you, even if you're very healthy, you still may have some problems. Right. And, and, that, and so when I think of good health, too, there's other inflammatory issues which seem to be increased. So and we, we touched on that for a second, but let's go back to that. Because you're saying, like, uh, diagnosis such as endometriosis getting worse. The, you know, fibroids and all of these things cysts getting worse. But, not but, but, and let's talk about how the fact that they're, we're seeing them in younger women yes yes for example diagnosis of again these are my observations in the past 20 years diagnosis of endometrial polyp right used to be for someone who is in her 40s most of the time overweight right most of the time having some other comorbidities so that was the typical uh person who was high risk for endometrial polyps Today, I'm diagnosing endometrial polyps at the age of 21, 22, mm-hmm. 25. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is mostly because of, I think, exposure to, that's my opinion, exposure to estrogens. Because polyps, it's basically extra estrogen-stimulated um, endometrial lining, mm-hmm. estrogen excess. And usually, even if it's a you know, skinny little girl, that estrogen comes from, from sorts of, like, you know, all sorts of things. I don't know, estrogens from the bottle, plastic bottles, or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. like that. Not necessarily even estrogens from the birth control pills. Right. So Soy products, which are, you know, a lot of soy products, soy, soy fillers, you know, soy fast, fillers, fast exactly. foods. Yeah. Yes, things yes. Are, the things they say 100% meat are not, they may be 100% meat in there, but <laughs> it is not 100% meat you're eating. You're eating uh, soy fillers most of the time. So in fast foods, interestingly enough. Um, So we see a lot of uh, girls not only maturing and getting their periods earlier, but then having these diseases and imbalances earlier. Um, So, so, okay, these trends are changing. We're seeing it earlier. We're seeing it worse. And we're not really making connections as a culture, as a society. Um, overall, parents are probably not as much aware until it, you know they, it happens to their child. And so, in comes you, which is your rarity. You're someone that has been exposed to um, Eastern medicines uh, and, and ways of thinking, and, and somehow we're we're now grouping that all into the title of holistic and integrative health. Um, similar to what I do here in Florida, and now thankfully we'll be working together in Florida. Um, You'll be going between New York and Florida, so we'll have you in, in located in Jupiter, which is a, a big thing. Uh, so, but you're a rarity, and what makes you a rarity is that you're willing to look outside the box. So, how does what you offer as an MD, medical doctor, classically trained, um, with all the tools in your that toolbox, which includes you know surgery and drugs and so forth, you know prescription medication, um, what have you added in the other toolbox? What does that look like? Yes, thank you. Honestly, I think I'm so blessed because I have access to everything now. I feel this abundance of option for me so I could help my patients. 
And when the patient comes in with the problem, we have a conversation. I sit down with the patient and we have a thorough conversation about not only what she eats, but what's her environment like, how she lives, where she lives, who she lives with, what her stress level, what's her sleep level. All these details are important for me to know what could be affecting her uh, current condition. And then explaining to her and then after that, um, I, if we already have a diagnosis, for example, we have a blood work and all that, I will offer her uh, options. The first option, and I always tell them, the first option is natural. It is harder because you have to do the work. You have to make changes in your life. I tell them that this right. is natural way, it's a way, but is the best way because then you will maintain, you keep your health for the rest of your life and you're not gonna need any medication. So patient has to accept that responsibility. And if she does, then we work together and we figure out whether it's a vitamin, whether it's a change in her lifestyle, because like you said, inflammation is a big deal. So I always talk about mindset, breath work, bringing sympathetic and parasympathetic in balance, acupuncture. I wish I would have someone like you here that I would really love and trust in New York, but I send them to different acupuncturists and they get treatment. So that's what I do if patient chooses natural. And in some cases, natural, in, in the most of the cases, natural way works. I'd say 90% of the time. But there 10% that you have something more advanced and you need medical help. Mm -hmm. In that case, we may go with medical treatment. For example, if patient has fibroids, we can shrink your fibroids with diet with lifestyle and so forth, with the uh, you know, natural ways of approaching it. But then if it didn't work, if you're still heavily bleeding, happy, if you're having pain, painful intercourse or painful periods, then I could offer you medication, less invasive first. I always go with the less invasive mm -hmm. approach. Medication, devices to shrink the fibroids, procedures, in-office procedures that shrink fibroids. And if it doesn't, if you're still having problems, then we go for a surgery. Mm -hmm. And, either and a lot of the times, it I'm sorry, I was mm -hmm. going to say a lot of times it doesn't need to be either or either. You know, some patients, like you said, they may have uh, be at the point where they need the surgery, but they also will help them to have all of the natural supportive care. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen, you know, and I'm sure you have those odd cases which typically speaking in a singular approach there's just no answer right i've seen i've seen um perennial endometriosis where you know the patient is having extreme pain with with intercourse every time and the perineum is is lower it's not your typical yeah. you know uh, location for endometriosis and you know these are odd things that that sometimes you go to a, a, a traditional uh, gynecologist and they have no answers and then it stops there and that's mm -hmm. that's really sad to me in any in any area of medicine where if you don't have the answer, you say there's no answer. That's not your job. Your job is to say, I may not have the answer. However, let's keep searching and I, and I can refer you to other people and other specialists um, mm -hmm. of different disciplines, right? Not just medical, but all sorts of things so that you can we can find the answer together. And um, that really should be the attitude in medicine. And, and I'm glad that you have that. Uh, when you look at um, trends of, uh, do, you, do you do a lot of uh, hormonal imbalance for older women as well, or, you know, women? 
Uh, well, oh, now actually, <laughs> well, I was going to say it doesn't have to be older women anymore. Now your your women are starting in their twenties and thirties. That's exactly yes. All I do is hormonal imbalance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it starts from the very early age. And patients bring patients they they children sometimes even grandchildren in the early like twenties or even teens when they have major hormonal imbalance. So what know, is being a what human, is that? You already though? have hormones. What, but what is that? What what brings them into the door when you know? Because is it's one thing for you to diagnose hormonal imbalance, but yeah. what are they saying? Is it is it pu- is it more emotional? Is it more physical? What do you see, or both? So it could be both. It could be everything. It could be heavy periods, for example. Younger girls usually come with heavy periods, painful periods, or irregular periods. Some problems with the cycles mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may also come with acne, with you know some hair problems, either excessive hair uh, growth somewhere in the body or hair loss. So this is when we start investigation and looking for reasons where I check all the departments of endocrine system, including your brain, your thyroid, your adrenals, everything, not only your testosterone levels and estrogen levels, and uh, also including insulin levels, including your um, vitamin D, B12, all these, you know, important uh, components of hormonal balance. So if she's younger, if she is uh, older, well, older means like, you know, over 35, today is considered, that, you know, this is the zone when perimenopause starts. And perimenopause is the phase right before menopause can be anything between 2 to 10 years, where a woman experiences severe, um, you know, hot flushes or severe mood swings, irregular periods, bloating, weight gain, you name it. And, you know, everybody just, oh, and that's hormones. Right, but what is it? in hormones, why you have these hormonal problems, what is the source of hormonal imbalance. Mm-hmm. So this is my approach um, usually. I do not put patients on hormone replacement immediately. I first look for the source and correct that. And most of the time, human body knows how to fix itself. If you provide right environment and building material for human body, human body is so intelligent it knows what to do. So that is my approach. I usually give all find the source, fulfill that source, and then from that we will see if patient needs to be on uh, hormone replacement or not. Also, another thing about hormone um, hormonal imbalance: a lot of times, females, uh, well, females, women, they think they think that PMS is a normal thing, that everybody gets PMS and it's normal. And then when I start asking them, what is it? Uh, what, what exactly you feel during a PMS? They're like, well, that's just normal, usual stuff. Uh, but nobody talks about PMS as a sign. Right. I use PMS as a language. Mm, the language that. when your body is whispering and telling you what's missing in your body. Yes, yes. So if PMS is uh, coming in the form of mood swings, I ask them, what kind of emotions do you experience? And a lot of times women can't even express what kind of emotions. That's yeah. weird. Okay. I just moody. What is it? Yeah. Uh, is it anger? Is it fear? Mm. Is it sadness? What are you experiencing? And then depends on that. We know which part of endocrine system is being affected or which mineral maybe is uh, missing. Yeah. Like for example, if she is angry, it's most of the time omega. She's missing omega in her body. If she's more sad and fearful, it's vitamin D. Mm. This is craving. Great. If she's craving mm. for chocolate, it's magnesium deficiency. Yeah. If she's craving for salt, it's her adrenals. If she's craving for sugar, it's her adrenals. 
Hmm. So, but I was able to do that just to crossing Eastern and Western medicine, just like you said, sour um, taste, you know, all these elements, and then putting together. And as soon as they start taking magnesium, all of a sudden, they uh, cravings disappear for chocolate. Yeah, and they, you know, they go and and people don't make those associations because yeah. they're not yeah. taught. And and now you're giving them the tools, and someone like me can also zero in on obviously the organs because we look at the adrenals and the kidneys because adrenals sit on top of the kidneys, yeah. and that's your water organs. Then you have your liver, which is a hormonal site and a blood rich organ that needs certain things and, and then when it doesn't it the whole machine kind of seizes up so we call it liver cheese stagnation um which makes uh, you feeling a unanswered will or anger or stress and then the spleen is like foggy brain because some people complain I, I worry around this time and i have foggy brain so and the spleen is where you also crave sugar but um you know uh magnesium it helps as well. It, it, there's so many correlations here, and I, I love it that you just said all of that. I hope our, our listeners are, are are listening because it's it it is something that most people accept. They say, "Oh, this is normal to be unhappy and in pain during this time of month and stressed out," and all, and it's not. It's not normal. It's it, it's actually a sign of your body, like you said, whispering, and that's oof, powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about. The, the uh, your male patient encounters because that's I'm sure something that is uh, on the yeah. rise as well as far as imbalances there. What what are men? What are you seeing in their male patients? So what I started uh, first with females, and when they saw changes, they started bringing the female partners. Uh, also, those who try to get pregnant, they come in, and I have to kind of like assess them as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find that male is actually funny, last weekend in Vegas, I was talking about that um, male species almost like becoming extinct now, because if you look at the statistics, the testosterone level, statistically, mm. the past 25 years, is dropping. Yeah, that's I'm seeing that all over the social media and the news. And yes, stuff. it is dropping, and uh, because of that, the quality of sperm is changing. Yes. Same way, same way we change women, same thing, all the same environment is affecting men as well. Mm affecting their ability to reproduce, affecting their ability to enjoy sex, to have libido. That's, you know, they're humans. Well, yeah. you, of course you're human. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, we build the same way. It's just different hormones, but the machine is the same. The tool is the same. And, you and know, sometimes being, I, I'm, I'm asked about this. You know, my patients ask me, you know, they're, they're mentioning that because they're, maybe in an, at a time in their life where they're divorced in their 40s or something, they're saying, what's going on with men? You know, <laughs> And they're, they're, yeah. they're uh, dependent on Viagra much earlier now. Um, yeah. You know, it used to be Viagra was a thing for your elderly people, right? It was yeah. uh, maybe in your 70s. Uh, now yeah. it's, you know, uh, men in their 20s um, are using I, I actually, yeah, you're funny you say that. I actually have um, had to prescribed Viagra to some couples because they're trying to get pregnant and he can't get erection in his early 30s because he is working in the financial world and he is so overwhelmed and he's so stressed. Yes. But he can't get it, you know, together. Yes. So it is. It is a sad story today, yeah. And I think it's more than just stress. I think it's how we are, as a culture, managing stress So and workloads. I think there's an early use of caffeine we see that a lot you know all these caffeine drinks they really drain the adrenals and, and weaken the male um, so I don't think that's being talked about 
um, this dependence on caffeine in high school and throughout college to to pass tests to stay up late and so by the time you're in your 30s your adrenals are fairly burnt out and that's what we call kidney essence and that's your seat of life and being able to reproduce and have vitality and virility um, and then you got the liver which deals with stress and if you're pouring a lot of you know whatever uh, alcohol to and and things to deal with stress and drugs through there that's going to throw an imbalance as well so i don't i think we're not talking about some of those causes that are lifestyle patterns that males have become also they say this is normal this is the way to live you take the caffeine to wake up you take this drug to come down and and it's so so regular starting in the high school level that by the 30s they're old men you know yeah physically yeah. anyway uh, so, yeah. so yeah, I think these are good conversations. I love the fact that, you know, now there, there's someone like you that can have these conversations with patients and give them the tools to, mm-hmm. to create a better life, a lifestyle and life outcomes and achieve, you know, goals, you know, because I think professionally, personally, we look at those lines which kind of come together and we work hard, we want to have children, we want to have a, you know, be successful in family and successful in profession, and when those things don't happen, then the whole human experience becomes questionable. And so I think you're one of those people that need to be on that team for, for us. Um, you know, it's so important. When did you stop delivering babies? I still do deliver babies, but uh-huh. not my private patients, because I teach. Okay. I teach okay. at Mount Sinai uh, Medical Center here in New York. Yeah. So I go and you know I deliver babies when I'm there. I do surgeries and so forth. Yeah. But my private, uh, I stopped doing it. My last baby was born December 2010. Okay, okay. <laughs> and what's my private baby? And you'll be offering uh, pretty much all your services in Jupiter, Florida, right? Correct. Um, except for the uh, delivery. And how do patients reach you? Do you have a website you can share? Uh, yes, my well, my website right now is uh, oriented only for New York. Mm-hmm. We are we working on expanding it to Florida as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called centralparkobgyn.com. Mm-hmm. Centralparkobgyn.com, and um, we will change that from January first. Website will be different. Perfect. And then mm-hmm. uh, for now, if people want to get in touch with you, do you have a number you want to share? For now, uh, Florida people, uh, if you're in Florida, you should call my number. Uh, you should text me because I'm um, with the patients usually, and if you text me, leave your name, would be great. 646-391-3414. 646-391-3414. Wonderful. This has been a tremendous and, and amazing um show and um, I hope it's inspiring and I hope it's educational and, and, and inspires people to look at their life and life patterns um, and what we can do to better ourselves in this area and, and others. Uh, this has been another Maximum Health Quality Living and this has been Dr. Shanaz Rustamova. If you've missed any portion of this show, it is on all podcasts um, and as well as uh, your public radio exchange. And it's been brought to you in part by Vell Health, V-E-L-L Health, um, now downloadable via all uh, p- uh, platforms for apps and you can also see vellhealth.com for whatever ails you today have a look holistic health via app via website and keep listening to maximum health we'll see you next time